This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The last of my kind for now. I need a competitive advantage. As for the money, think of it as an investment. Startup. The origin of a new species. Luck, Jerry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Decoding Westworld, a recap podcast about the HBO original series Westworld. I'm David Chen. And I'm Joanna Robinson. Welcome to the show. What we do here on this podcast is every week we recap the most recent episode of Westworld. Uh, we will spoil everything through this week's episode. We won't spoil anything through future week's episode that includes anything on the next time on preview. Although we will make some extremely smart deductions based on what we see in this episode. Um, this week we'll be recapping Season 3, Episode 1, Parse Domine. And if I mispronounce that, I'm sorry. I did not take Latin in high school. I apologize. Uh, but Season 3, Episode 1 is what we'll be talking about today. Before we get to that, though, uh, I do have a few announcements I wanted to go over. First of all, uh, as evidenced by the fact that you're listening to us right now, we made our Kickstarter goal. Hooray! Hooray, <laughs> Joanna. Yeah, uh, we made the Kickstarter goal, and that was awesome. So, thank you to everyone who contributed to our Kickstarter. Uh, I was it was, it was very heartening to see Joanna, and you know, it was very heartening. Uh, like, in addition to just baseline being very encouraging that people are supporting our work, is that even after we had met our goal and all the rewards are gone, and you know, people were still contributing to it. They're like, "Hey, I want to support Joanna Robinson and David Chen so much. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to contribute with no possibility of reward." Uh, other than, of course, this amazing podcast that we're making right now. Um, and uh, that's just really, really heartwarming and nice. So thank you to everyone who contributed. You all are awesome and just wanted to acknowledge that. So uh, second thing I wanted to mention is that uh, on the last episode of Decoding Westworld, which we did a few weeks ago, I had expressed how difficult it was to find <clears throat> a, a recap video for season two. And, uh, of course, what I should have mentioned at the time is that, like, as we're getting closer to season three being released and episodes being out, uh, new videos, recap videos have come out over the last few weeks. And uh, I, I have watched several of them. And oh, so okay. uh, I just wanted, I, I wanted to – well, I'll link to a couple of them in the show notes. But okay. um, I wanted to acknowledge that, yeah, those recap videos now are out. There's a bunch of them uh, that people have attempted. And uh, having watched – three recap videos so i spent like an hour of my life watching recap videos now season two is really hard to understand john robinson <laughs> i mean i think uh even some of the recap videos are hard to understand so I'll, I'll yeah leave, yeah go ahead i was talking to someone today and they were uh they were like i just watched a recap video for season two and i got mad all over again <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay. i mean it yeah. is so confusing and so labyrinthine in its plotting and uh so valiant effort to everyone who tried to make a recap video out of it. And I'll, again, I'll link to a couple in the show notes so you can watch if you'd like. Uh, but yeah, tough, tough uh, season to make a recap video of. 
Um, but uh, I'm glad that people did make an attempt at it. So, uh, yeah, check out the show notes for some recap videos. All right. Finally, uh, in recording the last episode, you know, we talked about our, our overall thoughts on season two. And, you know, there were a couple things about season two that uh, struck me after we recorded our episode, John Robinson, that I'm like, you know, uh, that was actually pretty cool that season two explored that idea. And I, I think one thing that uh, season one and two have done a really good job of exploring is the idea of free will, right? Like, mm-hmm. do humans really have free will? Are we just quote unquote passengers in our own bodies as like uh, we do our own thing subject to the whims of like a predestined fate? Uh, and I-, I love how the show explores that idea. And that's nowhere more evident than in the idea of these books that uh, were written for each of the humans. And the point is made in season two uh, like we humans think like we're so unpredictable, right? Like, oh, like no one could ever possibly capture like what we're going to do next. We're so unpredictable. We're, we we're impulsive and so on. And the, the point that the, the postulate in season two is maybe humans are not that unpredictable. Like maybe we're just like a pretty simplistic collection of desires and drives uh, that can be summarized neatly in a book. And, that's a compelling idea that's brought to life, you know, pretty starkly with the idea of these actual physical books in that, you know, that world that Dolores is reading them in. Uh, and I also kind of got a flashback to season two when I was watching the Hulu original series Devs uh, recently. Have you seen that show, Joanna? I have. Yeah. Um, the Alex Garland show, he directed like, wrote and directed all eight episodes of the Hulu series Devs. And that series also very much explores the idea of like how predictable is humanity and like is there such a thing as free will and uh so despite a lot of the challenges in season two i did did want to just acknowledge that like hey you know devs westworld season two they're exploring these really big ideas and occasionally doing it in really interesting ways any thoughts on devs or or that concept joanna Devs is filmed in my backyard in san francisco and santa cruz um i actually got to go on set and watch um alex garland and sonoya mizuna who is amazing uh do some work um i can definitely see the connection um i think both shows are dazzlingly beautiful and engage in really interesting and complex um, ideas about our interactions with technology and free will and i think both of them sometimes have the tendency to lag narratively or lack, um, you know, compelling forward momentum yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, wanted to give a shout out to season two, but let's get to season three. So it's been a couple of years since Westworld has been out. Season three has just aired. We're talking about it right now. And uh, I, I'm curious, you know, one other thought I had about our, our recap conversation in uh, the last episode we released of Decoding Westworld is as you were expertly running down all the plot threads that would be engaged in season three, I was thinking to myself, man, it is going to be really hard for them to get, like, certainly get new viewers at this point in time. But even the existing viewers they had, for them to kind of remember all that stuff and to understand the state of play and like what the stakes are, that's good. that is a very tough challenge they had for themselves going into season three. So I guess my question for you to, to start this off uh, before we get to the actual recap itself is, do you feel like season three does a good job, uh, based on the first episode, of kind of resetting the show, potentially even attracting new viewers, right? Uh, but certainly engaging people who've been fans of the show for seasons one and two. 
Right. Well, this is a this is a soft reboot. This is something like we've talked about how they were sort of headed towards this soft reboot, which was apparently their plan all along. Um, and someone from HBO let me know that it was their plan. It was always their plan for season three to be off island. Um, I have <laughs> trouble. I know that they have said they had a five season plan. I have such a hard time believing that they meant to get here already by season three. But like, what do I know? Really? Um, it's kind of like that story, like how the Wach- the Wachowskis had always planned three films of the Matrix, right? Like, and it's like, well, right. yeah, I guess that's true. But like, numbers two and three are so different than the first. One, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Um, but so yeah, so so uh, we we have a soft reboot here. Um, we get a little bit of the park, but just at the end, barely. And so we're you know we're on the mainland. Um, it does not feature a time jump the way that I had predicted. So I just want to get that right off the bat. Guys, I'm already wrong about season three. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I know. I was um, actually kind of sad. I was like, oh, Joanna. I mean, to be fair, many of your predictions came true. But yeah, the time jump didn't happen. <laughs> but uh, what is true is that I think, you know, something, and I've said this a number of times, something they assured fans at San Diego Comic-Con last year was that they had heard the reaction that season two was way too confusing and they're like, we'll try to make season three less confusing. And so to that end, we get a number of like on-screen graphics or characters just straight up saying how much time has passed yeah. to really try to constantly reorient you into where you are. And we're all, as far as I can tell, we're all on one timeline. Yep. Of course, we've all been fooled by that before, but <laughs> we're all on one timeline. So, you know, the biggest mystery is sort of like, who are these host friends of Dolores. But other than that, it's fairly straightforward. And we have a lot of repetition in this episode from actually the Westworld pilot. There's a lot of lines that are repeated from the Westworld pilot Mm. from season one. Uh, So, you know, this is a really strong attempt to try to do uh, a reboot that people can glom on to. We have, we're going to talk about it in a bit, but we've got this cold open that really kind of repositions Dolores in the viewer's uh, mind's eye. And then of course, you know, we've got this introduction of this character, Caleb played by Aaron Paul. And we had the benefit of all these phone calls, which serve as a voiceover. And we had voiceover from Dolores in the pilot as well, that really helps uh, hold the audience's hands through orienting us in the world. So I think confusing is not what I would call this episode at all. Um, is it a standalone? You can just drop in on season three. If you've never watched any Westworld, I wouldn't recommend it, but um, you know, maybe you just need to watch a couple recap videos and then you could. Um, I think it gets, honestly, I think it gets pretty good. Like pretty close to that. I would say, to be honest, like I, because here's what's so great about this episode. So I I was so excited after I finished the episode. I texted you immediately. I'm like, (laughs) Westworld is back, baby. Like I'm, I'm, I thought this episode was awesome. Like Mm -hmm. so, so good. And, uh, I'm like, at this point, I'm so glad a I've stuck to watching the show and B I'm doing this podcast with you because it's just like, they did such a good job at rebooting in my opinion. And, it's hard. It's hard to do a reboot like this. You know, it's hard. It, like, it's hard to to do something that straddles the line of we got to keep everyone who is engaged, you know, still with it. But also, like, let's try to attract a whole new group of people who might not otherwise be interested. And this episode does it. I think it nails it, in my opinion. It reminds me of like times when the, a reboot has worked really well. Uh, I'm thinking of like probably the best example I can think of is Star Trek, the J.J. Abrams one, right where. Uh, that mm. is a movie 
that uh, you you had to like try to try to activate the the Star Trek fan base, but it also managed to bring in a bunch of new people into the fold because at its core it was kind of like a space action movie and. Uh, I, I thought Star Trek did a good job of kind of pressing reset. Like it didn't it didn't do the follow through particularly well. Uh, I thought <laughs> Into Darkness was pretty pretty awful. But uh, I, I know like the idea of J.J. Abrams starting something and not being able to finish it well that's shocking. But uh, the uh, Star Trek did a good job of like kind of rebooting, pressing reset, and I think Westworld season three episode one does the same. And we'll talk a little bit more about this. But one of the ways it does that is by kind of putting characters we know into well-known archetypes right like it makes several of the main characters in this season like now inhabit these archetypal roles that many like people have already seen in many other things uh and i think just as really beyond just the kind of text with the whatever the hell the graphics kind of orienting you that we're in los angeles and what time it is and what anomalies observed I think the idea that you're seeing Bernard being kind of, you know, lone outlaw on his own, like mm-hmm. that just really does help you. Like you, you watch that character for five minutes, you get what his, what his predicament is. You don't need any of the backstory. And that's true. That's and true. I think that, yeah, that's just like a genius move. I think just to, to, to take characters, you know, to introduce new characters like Caleb and be like, Hey, you've never met this character in the show, but like, you know, characters like him. Uh, from other media you've watched. And uh, yeah, I, I thought they did it really, really smartly. So love That's this episode. True. Yeah, yeah I I think I would, I guess I would say the, the thing that doesn't work as well for me mm-hmm. um, is the fact that we still don't know, like the person wearing the Charlotte's skin suit, yeah. who that person is. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've got another new one uh, in the form of um, this character, Connells. Um, and, you know, it's it, we just introduced at the end of the episode. But so that we've got two sort of hosts. And so once again, it frustrates me because we we had to watch Tessa Thompson all through season two do this like layered performance of like Dolores pretending to be Charlotte, the yeah. whole thing that we couldn't appreciate because we didn't know who it was. And so, you know, it's early yet. It's only the first episode, but like, I don't want to do that again with Tessa Thompson. You know what I mean? Like, I want to know who she's playing and I don't think the mystery is worth not being able to enjoy the full, like uh, mastery of her performance. Yeah. You're you're like Paula Cole, you know, I don't want to (laughs) wait for the end of Westworld to find out who Charlotte Hale is really okay something like that anyway but my trapper keeper to be over <laughs> yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah I thought of the South Park one too anyway <laughs> um, okay so I think that's really reasonable Joanna and I but I think also like it, it's interesting because it feels like that is where the mystery is shifting to this season right is like who who are who are the people inhabiting these robot bodies right like that's seems to be kind of what the mystery is setting up to be and not like what's the maze or who's the maze or what's ford's plan like that that's no longer the focus but if that's the case i think this episode didn't do a great job of being like who's who's in the body you know what i mean like that's not the, the, it didn't do a good job of like alluding to the fact that like that is the main mystery of the show. I, right? Well, I'm not sure it's the main mystery. It's a mystery. I think yeah. the main mystery might be, uh, is there any difference between humans and robots? Mm. Uh, or is there a distinction worth preserving? You know what I mean? Yeah. Who's really running on the loop? You know mm. what, I mean? anyway. what a good question. 
So there is a cold open this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we see Dallas investor Jerry. Is it Gary or Jerry? It's uh, Jerry or Gerald. Gerald. Uh, he's heard of what's happened in the park. He's like, pull my investment. Uh, and he, he's clearly like a big investor into Dallas. And and let's just say, by the way, that like the Westworld Park, <laughs> if this episode is to be believed, is the most resilient of parks in the sense that it can apparently survive anything, including a hundred people dying. Like, <laughs> I just don't, I don't know if I believe that would actually happen in real life, but I, the, the point that the show is trying to make is that like, you know, commerce drives all and, you know, it doesn't matter how many people have died, but. Delos, too big to fail. Too you big know? to fail. Too big to fail. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so there's a scene where like you see uh, Jerry's wife, uh, Eunice, uh, who like is like, hey, you know, let's go get dinner. And he's like, I said not now. So, you know, Jerry immediately is evil. Because no, nobody who is a nice man would ever scream at his wife who wants to offer him dinner. So anyway, uh, then he kind of wakes up in a uh, horrifying situation, right? Um, oh, before he gets to bed, he, he takes a chip called an implant. Uh, and later on, it's kind of alluded to by Caleb that like the chip implant comes, kind of helps to take the edge off. Did you have any speculation on like what that chip does? Yeah, it seems like to me it's a a sort of technological version of like a pharmaceutical, right? Mm. Like a mood stabilizer, or mood elevator, or whatever, and it, and it can be programmed to be what you need it to be. Are people know? just like eating these things? Do they like shit them out? Do you think like I feel just... like they're sort of uh, like a contact. <laughs> I viewed it as like a contact, like an eye contact, right? A yeah. contact for the roof of your mouth. I see. I and see. that you like take it out and put it back in this little like holder thing, yeah. Yeah, which yeah. sounds disgusting, <laughs> but it <laughs> seems like they're sort of inserting them into the roof of their mouth. That's what I yeah. uh, interpreted that it's, as. They're like aligners or whatever, you know? You right. Can take sure, them, you can put them in. Yeah, you take a them retainer out is less disgusting <laughs> than a contact for your mouth. You're right. Sorry. Um, anyway, um, well, something that we should say is really important at the top um is the introduction of something that will come into play throughout this episode and i imagine the season is this idea of holo- holographs that are indistinguishable mm. from humans in the room right yeah. cuz the guy the guy that jerry is like i said sell all my stocks like he the guy he says that to is a hologram you think that guy is right there yeah. and then you find out he's a hologram and so then you're less like salty about the fact that dolores pulls a hologram bait and switch late like later in this well, cold open okay let me let me challenge you a little bit, bit there though I, I i think that uh my understanding is that like the reason she pulls a bait and switch later is because he has the augmented reality glasses on and so maybe you can only see them if you have those glasses on because i think he's wearing glasses of the first scene as well you know what i mean uh he might be but later yeah. charlotte's in the meeting yeah, and I'm you're right. Sure yeah. Some of the people in the meeting are holograms because she mutes one of them. So um, mm. I think the hologram thing is not something that is only with the augmented glasses. Mm. Okay, well, we'll get to that. I have a I have a point about that as well. But for, fair enough. Point being, there are holograms in this world. And at, yeah. one, at one point, there's probably at one point in this season, there's probably going to be some major reveal around like, oh, that person was actually a hologram the whole time, right? Whoa! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, in in the microcosm of this cold open, I think they really needed that so that we weren't, like, deeply annoyed by the, like, Dolores later. Fair enough. Um, Fair enough. Switch, yeah. Know. So he wakes up with a gas mask on, and I think the idea there is that, like, 
Dolores has like gassed everyone in his house, including his wife, right? But like, yeah, but like so. he's still fine. And yeah. then his um his you know Amazon Echo is no longer working anymore. Um, so she comes in. <laughs> And he's also not sponsored by he can't he can't do anything right uh because he's like oh turn on lights activate security like nothing's working dolores comes in and you know she's there because she needs uh not only money but also uh i guess some insight files because like she's looking to take down insight or at least impact them heavily in some way this season uh and kind of I don't know if she really blackmails him into it, but like it, it seems like if she doesn't, if he doesn't comply, then something terrible will happen to him. Uh, and she kind of emotionally terrorizes him by showing him uh, a past instance of domestic violence that he has committed through these augmented reality glasses that she zip ties to his face. Right? Yeah. Uh, and I did want to point out, like, uh, I think like Westworld does a pretty good job of uh, having colors represent interesting things. Right. So last season, you may recall that there was I think it was the forge, right, where it was all the uh, all the human uh, like books stored on this massive server. Right. And that was like red. Mm -hmm. uh, And it was or maybe it was the cradle, the cradle and the forge. I think they're both like red kind of symbolize, you know, the, the, the show is very interested in concepts of like heaven and hell and the afterlife. And I think like it's kind of like the underworld, like red is kind of meant to indicate the underworld in season two and in this uh episode you see that jerry's dead wife in the pool is wearing a red dress which is notable i think because like no one else is wearing red uh this early on and uh i just thought hey nice nice color coding of like i guess impulsiveness or evil with yeah uh with her being dead in the pool i think for for this season at least like uh, the bernard stuff aside because it's more pastoral but for all the like city stuff Pretty much everyone is wearing like black or white or gray, and if they're not, it's like for a reason. Yeah. Because uh, like later, Caleb's wearing this like brown suit. Dolores is wearing this red skirt. So I think you're right that you need to want to like you want to look at like the things that are not uh, on grayscale that <laughs> yeah. stand out. You know? Exactly, and I think it's yeah, it's re- it's really uh, fairly subtly done. Like you could watch it and not even notice it, but I, I like the way. Like, they... I just need okay. I, we really need quickly need to discuss. Uh, Dolores, Dolores is like wet look here because, okay, she goes swimming in his pool naked because it's Westworld and we got to have like nudity at the top or whatever. And then she puts on like this sort of beautiful robe dress. Her hair is like already slicked back in a little wet ponytail. Yeah. Her makeup is apparently waterproof. Yeah. I'll yeah. buy it. She's a host. That's fine. Yeah. Um, she has host and powers. She, and then she puts stilettos on. She looks like this is her look. She'll rock it a couple times this episode. This is a look she wore a lot in season two, which I I like to call like the Robert Palmer music video look, right? Uh-huh. Um, addicted to love, like that's what she looks like. And um, I just was like really impressed by how quickly Dolores went from like pool to like <laughs> it was really fast, hot uh, like, cocktail party assassin or whatever. So um, they show her yeah. like kind of toweling off for like half a second and yeah. then and then yeah. she's already like ready to go and i'm like okay wow that was pretty pretty quick but yes uh with her host powers joanna she can get you know ready for uh i guess that eyeliner's that eyeliner's just like tattooed on and that's that's good that's that's fine <laughs> humans do that too um yeah no I, I and i like the way that they set i think they really tidily set i mean i love this cold open yeah it's awesome it does a bunch of stuff um like the way they set up the hologram and also like the house system 
like they set up the house system in a really casual way that makes it really clear that Dolores could take like full control of the house as soon as she wanted to, you know? Yeah. But most importantly, and I, I know we're not done talking about everything Dolores does here, but most importantly, it really reorients Dolores's character yes. because a big problem that I had in season two was that as much as I believe Dolores deserved her vengeance, there was this sort of like Terminator Dolores, um, or, or white, if you prefer, um, persona that I found it really hard to root for as justified as she was in a lot of her stuff. And, and part of that had to do with like her lack of concern for any collateral damage she might cause. Yeah. She's just like all humans must die. And here we've got just a, a complete, uh, like, yeah, reorientation. Cause she's just like, she says this thing where she's like, I've hurt enough people. I don't really want to do that unless they plan to hurt me. You want to be the dominant species, but you built your whole world with things more like me. You're not going to hurt me, are you? I've hurt so many people, I don't want to hurt anyone else. Unless they try to hurt me. Which, sadly, you will. You see, I know you. I read your book. Book? What book? Think of it as an unauthorized autobiography. You're in technology. You didn't think that I was the only thing Dallas was selling, did you? Right. Okay. She's, and then when she, you know. Which when, is a great setup for later in the episode, too. Yeah. Sure. And then, like, when Jerry um, lunges at her as she knew he would, and it turns out it's her hologram, and he dies in this poetic, um, just like his first wife sort of fashion. Yep. Um, you know, and, and the current wife comes out, and she's like, who are you? And she's like, your savior, or I saved you, or whatever. The person who saved you. Um. And so it's like, okay, here's Del- this is avenging Angel Dolores in a way that I can really get on board yes. with. It's yes. a real um, like Dex- Dexter term, style, right? You know, like, Dexter style, yeah. save the cat moment sort of thing, where it's just sort of like, okay, you know, and and like, you know, I, I think a lot of people didn't, uh, or some people were frustrated with my frustrations with Dolores because they're like, they were just fully like, fuck yeah, with her last season, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't, and I want to be. So this makes me really happy because I want to be on Dolores' side and root for her. And just these tweaks in this cold open yes. got me there. Completely makes her a sympathetic character. Yeah. Right? From like, yeah. wow, she's a monster. Nothing, nothing there I can relate to. To wow, I'm actually on Dolores' side. Right. She can like, still kill dickish dudes, but like, yeah. that's the thing is like they need to make the in order to like you know make us know exactly where we were with Dolores this episode. They needed to make this guy like. He's not just like I mean, he he like beat up his wife. He killed his wife. Yes, he's not just like a business douche. You know what I mean? Like he's done some like really terrible stuff. Yeah, and I mean even and and this comes up a couple times he, in the he, episode. He, he killed his wife and then married another woman that like is another Asian woman that in my opinion looks somewhat similar to his old wife, which I thought was a little bit weird. Um, well, but yeah, and and like it, and the way he was treating her, he was like, uh, "There's that thing he says before bed where he's like, I 'I don't want you to go to town alone anymore. It's a security risk.' Like he's that's controlling abusive behavior. Like he's obviously like back. Then and that's the point Dolores makes. You know, basically like you're back on your loop. You can't break your can yeah. can humans break their nature? Can hosts break their nature? That's a big question of Dolores of of Westworld as well, right? Um, but something that she says to him, you know, she's like, "We've met before." your bachelor party weekend or whatever. Yeah. And she says something similar to Connell's later. And so it's just sort of like, there's, 
there's Dolores Avenging Angel doing something for humanity or for herself or whatever it is she's doing. But then there's she. it's still personal for Dolores because almost every one of these like asshole guys she's going to encounter like have traumatized her some way by visiting <laughs> yes. Sweetwater on their like bachelor weekend. So it, it, um, it really is kind of a genius plot mechanic of she can be like if, if the guy did nothing else wrong he probably traumatized her at some point while visiting westworld so like right literally any dude that she meets uh could, she could have like justification to murder them absolutely um, but yeah so um a really important thing she says here though um she says to him when when she brings up the fact that he went to westworld before she says don't you remember after everything we've shared which I believe is word for word, but I need to double check mm. what the man in black says to Dolores in the pilot. Yeah. Um, when he encounters her in the pilot and you know, he's like after, I mean, he might say something like after everything we've been through or something like that, but it's the same exact sentiment, which is like, you don't remember me. Um, you yeah. Know, which we don't you, find out. Yeah. And you, you see this like kind of flashback to like a second of, you know, one of the scenes from the opening, uh, episode like the season premiere or series right, of, premiere, her so, of her in the yeah. hay and like you kind of if you've been watching the show you kind of get everything that that implies already right um so just really really skillful all around this i really opening. like yeah really i great. really like this opening yeah. yeah and um yeah and you mentioned uh the name insight obviously it'll come up a lot in this episode we talked about this in our preview um episode um we're not talking about trailer stuff uh as we discuss this episode that's something we don't do here on on uh decoding westworld but um insight is you know Delos is the corporation we've been dealing with. Insight is this other huge corporation we'll be dealing with this season. So, yeah. yep. Uh, uh, so then she uh, she lets the guy murder himself, I guess. And that's then the other thing is like <laughs> they like really let Dolores keep her hands clean. Yep. Or yep. She's just like, oh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Yeah, you did this to yourself. <laughs> you did this to yourself. And then she like she 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 says to the wife, you know, like, hey, um, I just set you free. The, 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 I'm thinking to myself the whole time. They're like, "What's gonna happen when the police show up and this guy has is his head caved in and Dolores is gone and the there's, and there's no cameras or anything." He tripped, <laughs> man. Yeah, I think I think she's probably gonna get out of that situation because he's I he's he's, he's holding the golf club as well. Anyway, all right. There's um, <laughs> uh, there's an overshot head like of him in the pool at the end of the episode or the end of the cold yes. open. Which, like, if someone, if you have an overshot of someone, like, dead in a pool, like, you have to think Sunset Boulevard, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And that just puts us in this noir setting that I think uh, the character of Caleb really, like, brings home for us uh, when we spend more time with him. Um, But I don't think that Westworld, the TV series, has engaged with a noir setting yet. And we're immediately there uh, with that shot, I think. Indeed. All right. Well, we're half an hour in, and we've gotten through the cold open, Joanna Robinson. <laughs> um, so then the opening credits, new opening credits this season. Uh, we, yeah. We're not going to go through everything in the opening credits that's new, uh, but like we'll probably mention some things later. Uh, I will say I saw an afterburner about to blow open uh, a bird. Um, <laughs> that is a thing that occurred. And also uh, there is kind of like... Uh, these these kind of lines kind of tr- transform into what we will later learn is like Rehoboam in uh, the episode, yeah. right? Like that that and that's really kind of be going to be the function of um, or the focus of this season, I think, is like Rehoboam and like how much machines <laughs> organize our lives. 
Did you did you know what that word was the first time you heard them say it in the episode? I I did just because I recognize it from like Sunday school. You know what I mean? Oh, that's uh, true. I was like, oh, it's from the Bible. But the like, curse I of the atheist. I was like, <laughs> ra- 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 Radagast. What did you? Just but say? I did. Radagast? I did think to myself, wow, that is really pres- <laughs> like because there's some things that are like symbolic that like you you it doesn't register with you the first time. But like you can't name someone Rehoboam and not like force everyone to Google what Rehoboam is. You the only I mean? reason I eventually got to where I need to go because I was trying to like phonetically type it into Google to find yeah. out what the heck they were saying. And the only reason I got there is because I knew that the word Solomon was associated with yes. uh, insight. Nice. And so I got there, but I was just like, um, do you really want do you want to quickly say what, what this is so that our listeners know? Yeah. So, I mean, Rehoboam is, uh, according to Wikipedia, the first king of the kingdom of Judah and most notably the son of and successor to Solomon, who is the grandson of David. Um, Solomon's probably someone a lot of people know about. Like he's kind of in the culture, quote unquote. He's hip, as they say. No, I'm just joking. Um, but he's like uh, he's like the guy that was really super wise, and you know the people brought the the two moms brought the kid to him, and he's like cut the kid in half, you know, like that stuff. Um, so Solomon is kind of more well known, but Rehoboam is is the son of Solomon. Um, and I don't know if you have any other things about Rehoboam's reign that you wanna you wanna mention. I, d- uh, I mean, I want to keep like a keep an eye on it yes. uh, to see why they picked this. But I think it's interesting because like what what it seems like to me, this is like, I think a tech world thing that they might do is like Solomon is the first, you know, version. Yeah. And Rehoboam is like Mach 2 or whatever, Mark yeah. 2 or whatever. Yeah, so yeah, like yeah, yeah. they name it the son of Solomon. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. Like it's like it's it like and uh, where Rehoboam is kind of, I guess, the ch- like metaphysically or whatever the child of humanity i guess it would be right like mm. like mark one was humankind and then mark two is like this ai machine that's like far better than we could ever be kind of thing Maybe. oh got it okay all right i don't know we will be talking you will hear us say uh wait say it one more time dude rehoboam rehoboam i'm just gonna like copy you because i didn't go to sunday school okay um i want to say a couple more things in the opening credits um yeah is the is the is an afterburner is it the same as like a turbine? Because to me, yeah, it looks, it, like, it looks like an engine like a, of some kind, something, something like that looks bird, like it's going to hurt caught the bird. In a yeah. plane turbine, sort yeah. of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the 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 figures sort of like touching fingers through the ripple of the water, and at least one of the figures is definitely a robot because its face opens and stuff like that. But that struck me as like very Sistine Chapel sort of like, mm. and we got that painting was a huge. Uh, discussion point in season one you might remember like Ford talked about it and stuff like that this idea of like the divine touching the human um, w- uh, th- which is a good uh, excuse to talk about the title of the episode Domine, which means um, you know spare us lord like right it's from it's from this like um, is it a hymn I don't know what you would call it um, but uh, you know the full translation of of this line is spare spare lord spare your people be not angry with us forever and later in the episode dolores calls the the robots basically i'm gonna call them robots i know we're supposed to call them hosts but listen we're out of the park i'm just gonna call them robots um (laughs) she calls the robots essentially gods we're the gods and we're angry and we're here yeah and so this idea of like robots touching humans and god uh, the divine touching humans and are the robots the divine are they the gods sort of thing the old gods the new gods whatever um and then the uh the last 
thing I want to mention from the opening, though there's plenty of more to talk about in there. But the last thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, we get the I think it's it's called the Vitruvian Man, right? Uh, yeah. we've, the symbol that we've seen many times dunked in. It's usually dunked in sort of like a milky substance, um, but now it's dunked into a red. Uh, that that should be fine. That seems fine, right? <laughs> <laughs> Totally normal. He's, the now? Vitruvian Man is having what we call a normal one today. <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, all right. So moving on, uh, we're going to talk about the Charlotte and Bernard sequences because they're kind of like on their own a little bit this episode. Uh, we see Charlotte fly into futuristic San Francisco. And we should pause and just say this show's vision of the future is incredible, I think. Mm, like, gorgeous. Everything is beautiful. There's like this symmetry, this kind of ultra modern style to it. Uh, and um, it's, it's really intoxicating just to, to see kind of this version of the future. And like every, every location, every shot is just like, wow, they really thought through this from a design perspective, you know? Um, I, I, it's very hard for me to see the seams in terms of like uh, it reminds me of like um, uh, the Spike Jones movie Her a little bit you know oh, like yeah. where it's like the, it's clearly shot in present day but they like augmented it with some CG and it's still recognizably our world but it's also the future and right uh, yeah. so this beautiful location is is a place called the City of Arts and Sciences which is in Valencia Spain but then they've like painted the bay area background behind it you see mm. the Transamerica and the bay bridge and stuff like that um but that's a real place that exists in Valencia um what i would love what's our <laughs> What's our email address? It's decodingwestworld at gmail.com. Yes, that's correct, John. Okay, decodingwestworld at gmail.com, <laughs> folks. If you're listening, if you, I would like to know, I'm sure some clever person will maybe have already done a rundown of this on the internet by the time this episode airs, but like, um, if you, if you notice other locations that, you know, real world locations that you recognize that you want to shout out, I would love to like know where all these places are. Um, cause a lot, I know a lot of this stuff is like real cool looking, like the, the location scouts on this season just really did it uh, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Yeah. They crushed it. Crushed they it. crushed it. Yeah. So, so there's a, uh, Delos board meeting, uh, and apparently Charlotte Hale, by the way, who, who, um, is not actually Charlotte Hale. It's a but robot. Just, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, we're just going to call her Charlotte because it's easier. Yes. Right? <laughs> yeah. So robot Charlotte Hale, who who has a brain that we don't know who it is, uh, is now the CEO of the company uh, because apparently, uh, I guess, she's the only surviving board member. Like, that wasn't entirely clear to me, but... Well, it seemed to me that, like, <laughs> William ceded con his control. Yeah, because he, he, he he's the empty seat in that scene, right? Right, and it doesn't seem like he's dead, right? Yes, based Which on is, season two, yeah. Right, and also just the way they talk about him, yeah. But that he ceded control to like a robot proxy, yes. And uh, uh, surprise, surprise, Charlotte Hale is also a robot. So when she's like, oh, look, the robot's voting with me, I'm like, uh huh. <laughs> um, so anyway, shock. um, shock. Yeah, so he's so so she. I mean, she was already 
head of the board, wasn't she? Or just on the board, I guess. Um, but now she's, you know, they had that whole like who died and put her in charge, like uh, awful uh, moment. Um, but yeah, she's running the show with the help from this other robot, which I assume she can communicate with. Them. You know, the way that Dolores like talks to that motorcycle later on in the episode, I'm just going to assume all digital things can talk to each other <laughs> yep, uh, in this yep, world. You yeah, know? that explains it. So. That explains it. Uh, <laughs> so the board wants to take the company private and uh, I'm sorry, the board like Charlotte wants to take the company private and the board doesn't want to do that. But Charlotte's like, Hey guys, everything's going to be fine. Uh, people like robots don't kill people. People kill people, which I find pretty unconvincing John Robinson. But what, what do I know about future uh, politics and media? Who knows? Maybe that's what people will believe back uh, in, in the future. Uh, but the board disagrees, but you know, Charlotte has the votes to do what she wants to do. Um, and, that's kind of that. And and she kind of is pinning it all on Bernard, right? She's like, yeah. If if we can find Bernard, blame the whole thing on him. He's the one that killed everyone, then we're going to move past this, which is extremely optimistic, but whatever. Uh any other <laughs> thoughts on the Charlotte stuff? I mean, obviously, we just need to talk about the fact that there is a board member on the Dallas board named Joanna uh is she named for me i don't think so but maybe but probably not um so she's the she's the killjoy that's trying to uh uh trying to ruin delos i was like listen if she like with her questions with her nuisance (laughs) questions yeah uh yeah basically there's a character named joanna who's like asking questions and charlotte's like the you know the whole point of taking the company private joanna is that we don't (laughs) have to answer that question Mm. um Mm. so like if that's a little like nod to me, I'm honored. If not, uh, please enjoy my like megalomania that I think this has <laughs> anything to do with me whatsoever. My god complex, if you will. Mm. Um. Anyway. Um. Yes. Yeah. You. You. you I have a bicameral mind about that. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um. Please email us at decodingwestworld@gmail.com if you know what that molecule shape is, or maybe you already know, Dave. There's a molecule shape above the board. Mm. Uh, room and since I did, never took chemistry in my life, I somehow skipped it in high school. Um, I don't know what molecule that is. So I also do not know. So uh, or maybe it's abstract. I don't know. But um... hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, "What the." F- are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from thirty dollars a month to just fifteen dollars a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. Forty five dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited, more than forty gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. All of that happened. And then, like, I, I guess the only other thing I would mention that this uh, robot version of Charlotte said is um, we have a lot of proprietary assets that could prove profitable. So just a reminder that Delos isn't just, you know, uh, putting on a pleasure park, that they've got other stuff that they're doing yes. there. Uh, 
uh, in terms of data collection. And that's something that Charlotte helpfully reminds us of before she tries to pin the entire Westworld massacre on Bernard. So we cut to Bernard. He's on a farm. You say he's somewhere in China. Where did you get the China thing, by the way? I think just because when he goes to hire the boat, because isn't isn't, um, Westworld off off of China? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. Um, uh, yeah, it could, it could be, I didn't, uh, I didn't read that as explicitly being in China, but, uh, it's very possible. Um, so I just think because like he walked out of, I mean, he's on the run, so maybe he tried to run further than where he walked out of, but where he was, um, at the end of last season is walking out of Arnold's house, right? Right. Which was in mainland China, um, I believe. And, um, and so I don't think he got that far because, like, he by the end of the episode, he's trying to hire a boat back to Westworld. And so I think he's just still sort of kicking around yeah. near where he left off last season. He's introduced kind of tending to this cow that's dying. Uh, you, you point out here that in Westworld season one, there are no horses left in the real world. So uh, good callback. But uh, I thought it was a nice little character moment. He's tending to this cow that's dying. And then I guess his boss comes onto the scene and is like, oh, don't worry. We can still harvest a lot of parts from that cow that's dying. And it's kind of like, you know, Bernard, who, by the way, is a robot. Uh, he uh, he kind of can relate to this cow who's uh, left for dead and being harvested for parts. Anyway. Yeah, uh, and I mean, like, the whole meat factory thing, I think it's great that he's working in this, like, creepy meat factory where we see, like, these cuts of meat that are have, like, all the tubes in them. And it just it reminds me of, yeah, the way the robots were treated and also, like, um, the horrific future that we're probably headed towards where our meat is grown um, on the wall or whatever. Um yeah, it's it's a I love I love this setting for Bernard. And once again, that this feels very noir to me too. Yes. You, you mentioned this archetype of the of the a man on the run. Yeah. Um yeah, yeah. Dr. Seen, Richard Campbell or whatever. So, yeah. We've seen it so many times where this guy is in like a completely different setting than you've ever seen him before. Right. He's like he has a different haircut, different outfit, you know, like uh, and so you can easily, even if you've never seen the show, I think you'd recognize like, oh, this is a guy who like doesn't want anyone to know who he is. And I think that's great. Um, so he's speaking of who he is, he scans in. You see the pin pad says like his name is Armand Delgado. That's the pseudonym he's going under. Jenna Robinson, is there a is there an anagram? <laughs> yeah. So you Armand might remember. Del- yeah. We found out that Bernard Lowe is an in back in season one. Bernard Lowe, which is this character's name, if you is an anagram of Arnold Weber, which is you know the human that the Bernard was based on, right? Mm-hmm. Truth be told, this character that we're looking at is some kind of hybrid of Arnold and Bernard. And I think we see that sort of like schism happen a bit later in, in the this section. We're just calling it, once again, for expediency's sake, we're just going to call him Bernard, just yeah. like we called Charlotte Charlotte. But it's more complicated than that. And I just want you listening at home to know that we know that. That being said, <laughs> uh, Armand Delgado... <laughs> A uh, friend of the pod, Kim Renfro, uh, my fellow Westworld detective, uh, put Armand Delgado in the old anagram decoder uh, <laughs> and came up with – she told me – I'll take you through her whole process. Uh, it, please go please go read her. I don't want to steal this from her and, and like we give her credit, but also please go read her Westworld we'll, coverage yeah, we'll link on to Business we'll link Insider. To yeah. uh, her stuff on Insider so, about Westworld is so good. Her timeline was – 
so crucial to read in season two because you never knew what you were going, what was happening. And just as I suspect it, maybe this like obnoxious Joanna character is based on me. I kind of think a lot of the timeline stuff that we see in this episode is a nod to Kim because Kim really made the timeline thing happen for Westworld last season. Anyway, she put this Armand Delgado into an anagram sort of generator thing. And she's told, she told me that she got really excited when she saw that damaged, was like something that came up and she like she didn't have the other half yet she's just like damaged something yes so damaged arnold mm. is what armand delgado unscrambles to be so uh that's fun 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 time at the anagram factory <laughs> fun times at the anagram factory uh so uh, anyway, he's living under the pseudonym, and then he, you see him do it like a self-diagnostic, where he is interacting with Bernard. Right? He's like he's talking to Bernard, as far as that's I can what remember. it seems like. Yeah. yeah, that he is Arnold running a diagnostic on Bernard, and he's very concerned that someone will have tampered with his wiring without him knowing. It seems like he can switch between himself as quote unquote Arnold or right. Armand, and then Bernard, who's more psychotic and murderous right uh, and, and, it, and it is very much that like venom split personality thing right where he's just like please try not like later when he's <laughs> defending himself or whatever he's like okay okay robot self go ahead and beat these guys up but please don't hurt them too badly yeah um so it is it is set, setting him up for a very interesting sort of schism split personality thing child number 342 Self-diagnostic. Prompt. Bernard Lowe. Has anyone other than yourself tampered with or altered your code in the last 24 hours? No. Bernard Lowe is the only person who has accessed my code. Prompt. Have you had any contact with Dolores Abernathy that I'm unaware of? No. Last contact with Dolores Abernathy was 92 days, 7 hours, 5 minutes, 33 seconds ago. Prompt. Would you ever lie to me, Bernard? No. Of course not. Uh, we find out that through his trial, his self-diagnostic, which has a lot in common with uh, the diagnostic language that we heard in the pilot episode of Westworld. You know, the like, would you ever lie to me, Bernard? No, that's that's what Dolores, you know, no, never. And that's what Dolores would say. And then, of course, like Dolores did lie. So you know, do we trust Bernard? Can Arnold trust Bernard? Mm. That is the Bernard that is inside him. Um but we find out in that in that course of that, there's this uh, timeline exposition. It's 92 days. 92 days since the season two finale uh, is where we are here with Bernard. Right, because so. at the end of season two, he and Dolores were interacting. Right. right. Um, so it's been 92 so, days since his last contact with Dolores Abernathy. So that was the end yeah. of season two. Yeah. And so. also Charlotte mentions that it's been three months since the Delos disaster. So like, exactly. it seems like we're, we're all, all the in the same timeline. time period. Yep. 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 yep, yep. yep. All right. Well, before we move on, uh, we want to thank all the people who donated to our Kickstarter and claimed one of our rewards to give them a shout out on the podcast. Uh, John Robinson, I believe you have some people to shout out. Yes. Um, I would like to thank some people. FYI, we have a little pronunciation guide that people send in. So if you hear me do something interesting, uh, it's because they asked me to. <laughs> 
Some people really had fun with the pronunciation guide this year. And <laughs> I, I love when the pronunciation guide makes it harder to actually pronounce the name. You know what I mean? Um, anyway. Uh, so Lisa Hawthorne, Shana O'Neill, and Eric Orellana. Uh, that was a request, just so you guys know. Um, Chelsea Meester, uh, Trevor Scholler, Sheila Curran, Rich Gonzalez, um, Matthew James, uh, Daphne Olive, Carter Rogers, Adrian Hahn, James Duvall, Eli M., Scott Hughes, and Etienne Gagné. Thank you guys so much. Thanks to Travis Thompson, Melanie Palmer, Paxton Schwartz, Fergal Lawler, Callie Carnemark, Sean Hillary, Chris Robbins, Ron Harshman from Pittsburgh, Suran Ports, Elvis M. from Queens, New York, Stephanie Deal, Benjamin Jacoby, John Heidman, Jana Gardner, Mike Constantino, Matthew Punumali, Matthew Punumali, yeah. Chris Wiest, Karen Frost Arnold, Tyler Keen, DJ Empirical, Rob Arrow, Kevin Patterson, and Jessica Mason. Thanks so much. We are here doing this podcast because of folks like you. So you. you're awesome. All right. Let's move on to Caleb. Joanna Robinson, we have a whole new character in this episode. Whole new storyline, whole new character. It's Caleb, played by Aaron Paul. Look uh, at us. Look at us, Dave Chen, <laughs> doing a podcast about another Aaron Paul TV show. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Not me. Who would have thought? Not me. Not me. Not me. Look at us. Uh, Dave and I used to do a Breaking Bad podcast yeah. called The Ones Who Knock. So... Um, here we are back in a back in Aaron Paul's uh, territory. Uh, there, there are these, um, uh, you know, we I alluded to them, but I didn't mention them specifically. There are these chirons uh, that happen where you see sort of this. It looks like a globe or a circle or this this like image, and it'll say like anomaly detected or whatever. So anomaly detected Los Angeles, minor irregularities, analysis required, and then it gives a latitude longitude sort of focal point thing. So that's so we're in Los Angeles. And we're witnessing an anomaly. Um, I, as far as I can figure, this has to do with the system. Um, it, it, but it's, it, like it's probably we're seeing Rehoboam calculate things of some yeah, kind, right? Like, uh, clocking irregularities and anomalies. It's probably yes. what's happening, yeah. I'm just so, going to let you pronounce Rehoboam <laughs> the whole time. And I'm going to call it the system. because It's going to be my new job. So I don't trust myself. All right, Caleb, here we go. Been a long time. Too long. Look, I can talk or I can just listen. Whatever you like. You keeping your head above water? Yeah. Running fiber. Pays the bills. Almost. How was it being back there? Back home? We're here? I don't know. You said the way the army was run. Algorithms. That's the way everything was going to be someday. Better living through technology. And some things are better, but I don't know. So, Caleb, uh, what do we want to say about Caleb? There's a, a lot of things we want to say about Caleb, uh, many things we learn about him during the course of this episode. One is he appears to have been in some kind of war, right? In uh, Russia. In Russia, yeah. uh, where he fought with a man named Francis, uh, who's played by Kid Cudi. And uh, he's apparently been pretty traumatized by it, and so he gets calls from Francis that he's trying to take. How quickly did it take you to realize that Francis was not real, John Robinson? Like immediately? Yeah, like probably 
10 seconds you're like that's the thing that that, like if i have if i have some (laughs) critiques of this episode a major one would be how they treat the reveal of francis as like a big well to their credit john robinson they don't drag it out more than one episode you know what i mean so if they had dragged it out two episodes i'd be like that's dumb but like they they got it over with and i thought that was fine you know okay and 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 it's kind of this interesting thing of like hey robots are going to take over things in the future, right? Robots are going to take over deciding where you're going to work. Robots are going to take over even therapy, potentially getting over PTSD. And I, I, I like, I, I, again, I think the vision of the future it sketches out is like fairly cohesive overall. And I think that's a good, a significant part of it. Um, right. So. And, theor- and theoretically, this is a great idea. Like if you're suffering from PTSD and you can only get to therapy once a week because your therapist is busy or whatever, yeah. like there's an AI that sounds like your best war buddy, um, and he's here to like take calls from you when you're feeling upset. And I think where we have a major breaking point, I mean, like Caleb is resistant to that entirely because throughout because because we see him like decline calls from Francis. Right. And he's he's resistant because he has a little bit of robot xenophobia. Right. Mm. Um uh, like we find out later, like when he's talking to that guy later or voice later and he's like, no offense, but are you a robot? He's in search of something real, you know, Yeah. which we should point out is like what William in season one. And I'm talking about like the character played by Jimmy Simpson in season one was after something. I want something real. Yeah. Don't give me something like pre-planned for my pleasure, you know? And, um, so, like, boy, will Caleb may be disappointed if when he finds out who Dolores actually is. I don't mm. know. But, mm. like, that seems like a, not a good setup for him. But, um, but so he's, 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 I, he's I don't just, know. I think, I think he's going to find out that Dolores is realer than he thought. Oh, more real than he could have imagined. Yep. Um, but, you know, he's, he's resistant to the way in which algorithms and technology run the world to a degree to more so than most people in this society. Right. And he has a special reason, like a special reason to be because, um, when it comes to like pre-designed loops that people have been put on, right. Um, the algorithm (laughs) has, um, said that he can like, he lays fiber, fiber optic cable is what I guess would it, it would be. Um, and he can't break out of that and he's dissatisfied with that. And he's dissatisfied with the way, the lot that the algorithm has uh, given him in life, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that's another component of it. He's uh, he's running fiber during the day, working construction during the day, right? Mm-hmm. And then at night, he uses an app called Rico to it's t- it's Task Rabbit for crimes, basically, right? Uh, and I just thought the idea of that was uh, certainly there's some downsides to uh, a, a task rabbit for crimes. Like theoretically, <laughs> you're leaving some kind of digital record of everything you do. But uh, the the basic concept is pretty awesome. That like, hey, um, in the future, people who want terrible things done, uh, they'll farm out different components of it to different people. And then everyone's always only responsible for like one small component. And you meet for the first time, and it's cool. Like he meets up with um, Ash. Uh, played by Lena Waite and uh, Giggles, played by Marshawn Lynch, and they do kind of a, an ATM heist, and it's clear that they've um, spoken before. Uh, did you write in our show? I'm looking at our show notes right now. Did you write a Task Rabbit app for crime? I did not, but that's that's oh. literally the thought I had when I watched. The, I guess I wrote that. Yeah, you you wrote. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> no, I was watching it. I was like, oh, this is like Task Rabbit for crime. Like literally, when I was watching, it, I was like Task Rabbit yeah, for crime, yeah, and yeah. you wrote it. 
So yeah. I'm like, oh, John Robinson and I, simpatico as usual. Same page. Uh, uh, Rico, uh, the, we should mention that the, like the, the C in Rico is like a cent sign. Um, I wrote a euro here because I didn't have a cent on my keyboard. But, um, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know what it stands for in this uh, context, but just in case you haven't, you didn't watch like as many crime shows as I've watched. Um, Rico in our world, uh, racketeer influenced and corrupt organizations. Uh, there's usually like a Rico task force, um, in like an FX crime show or something like that. That's why I know what Rico is. Um, but I love this Rico thing because if you obsessively watch through the episode, like I did and freeze frame every single mm. time, uh, Caleb looks at his app. Someone had so much fun writing this cause it is, so it's written like, um, to appeal, I would say, to young men or let's say young people uh, who grew up playing video games because it is like it's like Grand Theft Auto meets like, t- you know, because it's like, uh, so are you going to man up or are you a wuss? Like um, or like at the end of <laughs> at the end of uh, the end of thing here, I wrote it down somewhere where it's like uh, you made bank. Now get drank. You made money, motherfucker. Like that's like what all the like screen stuff says Um, once they complete a job. And the uh, but the person parceling out the money for here is is like called nickel and dimed like with leet speak. It's just there's a lot of treasures. Um, yeah. In yeah. The Rico app. And the, um, the the tone of the app is extremely similar to like Grand Theft Auto Five, the game, like the right, video right. game. Like yeah. if you, you know, in in that game, you also have like a a cell phone that can where you can get crimes. Like you can Perfect. you can get crimes from the cell phone and do them in 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 the game. And so it's like extremely similar in terms of like the tone. And like even at the end, you know, when they present you a mission, it's like I think one of the options is like fuck yeah or something like that. Or you know, you know what I mean? Like it's it's very very it's like a brilliant homage to yeah. to that style of gaming yeah yeah and there's a bunch of different like so there's uh grand theft auto wet work creative accounting red rum which is murder right fireworks <laughs> show which is exploding something a to b i don't know what a to b is i, I um, like how in this uh in this crime app whose only existence like, the only reason it exists is to do crimes they still feel the need to use euphemisms it's true <laughs> i don't know what a to b is redistributive justice is a robbery a to b i would say is probably like transport is my okay 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 and then babysitting which i'm guessing doesn't mean babysitting but i don't know what it means (laughs) uh kidnapping is my guess oh great great, there's no reason i happen to know all the euphemisms (laughs) joanna (laughs) i don't know the you you know yeah and then caleb's okay a couple (laughs) things about we like we're meeting caleb we know he's like skeptical of robots. He fought in the war. He has PTSD. Blah blah. blah. Uh, he doesn't do anything personal. No personals. App. He says no personals. No personals, despite the fact that it would raise his his stats, points, yeah. his scores, right? Yeah. Um, and also, um, just like Dolores, you know, is out there killing dudes who killed their wives. Uh, <laughs> Caleb is not just out there to make money for himself. No, no. He has a very sick mom with high <laughs> hospital bills that he mm. needs to pay. Yeah, so, really um, sympathetic. Yeah. yeah, they they need to give Caleb, uh, yeah, the <laughs> the most sympathetic backstory. <laughs> Just hey, wants to help his mom. So there was one moment in here that I thought was pretty interesting, right? Um, uh, that 
you know, Ash has a device that she calls pure voodoo. Because the, the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, well, how are they going to, like, theoretically, in the future, they're going to have better surveillance than today, right? So uh, how are these people going to get together and do crimes and be undetected? And that's explained in this scene where Ash takes out a device that can knock out all logs and cameras in a raised video, and she can blast music into everyone's AirPods. So she kind of plays this music, and then you see Aaron Paul remove an, a headphone from his ear that we didn't even know he had in there, right? as far as I can recall. I and so- saw it. Like He puts it in really early in the episode when he's like going to take a call or something like that, but yeah. it is something that just people just like leave in, and I think he only has it in one ear. So like... Yes. It, it yeah. remind again another ex- reminding me of her the Spike Jones movie mm, of like mm-hmm. is is this a future where like everyone is just wearing these things all the time? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And I would and, say so. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh so they do a heist and then they there's this other there's a kind of social commentary, social commentary uh <laughs> where there's a personal gig that comes in, right? Um of how this guy is like on drugs and they need to like take care of him. And he's like, I said, I don't do personals. And he's like, let this guy go to jail. And he's like, that's not how this works. This guy is from an upper class. You know, like it's kind mm-hmm. of pretty obvious what the show is trying to say there. Uh, yeah, yeah. That guy that they're helping who's, who's like tripping on some yeah. uh, designer drug or whatever. Um, is he he keeps talking about shadow people and this is something that'll come up in the Dolores storyline too. But this idea that all these humans who are out here in the world doing their thing, like the thing the the concept burbling around is that our real they're questioning the nature of their reality. Let's say yeah. uh, in the Westworld parlance. So um, yeah, um, let's see what else in Caleb do we want to talk about? I think he's on I- his little oh like when we first see him he it's he's waking up in bed. I think he even has one arm over his head and the sun is sort of hitting him. And that's exactly how we saw Dolores wake up a number of times Mm. uh, in the pilot episode. Right. She would always like be in her bed with the sun sort of coming in through the window on her. Who's the real person on the loop is the question. Whoa. Yeah. So Caleb's on his little loop, um, you know, doing construction, going to therapy, not being able to advance his job. Yeah. This idea when he goes in for his job interview, he's in uh, like a waiting room with people all wearing shades of gray and he's got a brown ish suit on. Um, and I, and I thought his conversation after he finds out he doesn't, he can't get the job uh, where he's like, tell me, tell me what shape to squeeze myself in and stuff like that. I just found, and you know, and then he found that he wasn't even t- talking to a human. I found that really compelling. Mm. Um, just like really heartbreaking. Yeah, he, he, he sold it. He sold it. Yeah. You know, despite the fact that you yeah. and I both saw the whole thing come in. He sold yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. Here's the last thing I'll say about Caleb before we move on, which is yeah. uh, the whole plot line of him trying to like get a new job and move beyond his station in life. Uh, I think the idea is we're supposed to feel like, oh, man, like in the future, algorithms are controlling human labor. Good thing we don't live there now, you know. And but in reality, and I've read this article that I'll link to in the show notes about like YouTube and how like a lot of YouTube channels are like like creating their content based on the algorithm. Like they they think like, oh, you know, Elsa, like Frozen stuff, uh, like the Disney movie does really well. And like also so do things about ponies, you know, so like let's make a video about Elsa and a pony. And then like just like. Crank, like churn out these videos that are like designed for the algorithm and it's this kind of like perverse situation where the algorithm is dictating what human labor is occurring I mean, no you know? 
I hope that I don't get fired over saying this, but like, you think like media doesn't do that as well? No, I'm. I'm. That's what I'm trying to say. Is I think that like. I mean, YouTube. I mean, I'm just saying like beyond YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just trying. I was just trying is, to use an example that was comfortably out of your and my wheelhouse. John. <laughs> well, okay. Um, I will just say I've had many conversations about the algorithm. Yeah. Uh, and how it impacts uh, the content that we produce uh, at yeah. my job. So, for sure, you know, and then Lee, you and I will pick, uh, you know, which shows we cover is dependent on not entirely <clears throat> like, you know, I think you and I would do like a super niche show if we wanted to. Um, the algorithm is coming from my vocal cords. Um, <laughs> I think we would do the super niche show if we really wanted to, but I think, um, you know, we definitely also just want to cover like, things people are super interested in i don't know it's interesting so but but point being that like (laughs) human beings are already controlled by algorithms to a great degree today and this is kind of an extreme version of that that's being depicted in the show Uh, but that's what great sci-fi does is it kind of holds up a mirror to society and asks like you know right one uh, more thing i want to raise and i don't think this is true but i want to raise it before we get a bunch of emails about it but please send me your thoughts to codingwestworld at gmail.com um it, when Caleb goes to see his mom, she says, you're not my son, right? Yeah. And then later he mentions that he got shot in the head, um, probably in the war, whatever. So we need to at least consider the possibility <laughs> that Caleb is not a human but is actually a robot. Mm. Okay? Right? However, I vehemently dislike this idea. Um. <laughs> Because um, I think, you know, if he and Dolores are, you know, as the end of this episode kind of indicates, if he and Dolores are to forge some kind of connection, um, I think uh, it would be very silly for that. I I think just narratively, it's more satisfying to me if he is a human. Yeah. So I really need him to be a human, but I, (laughs) I will put nothing past Westworld. So we just need to at least consider that the guy whose mom says, I don't, you're not my son. And he got shot on the head is not a human. You just mm-hmm. need to consider it. Just need to put it out there. I'm not predicting anything. I don't want it to be true. Just <laughs> wanted to like end run your emails about it. Mm. Uh, but if you want to send me emails about it, please do. All right, let's get to the final plot line. Dolores. Uh, so there's a, you, you see kind of the text again. What does it say? John Robinson at the beginning it of says, the list. Yeah. Elevated scrutiny, London, special circumstances. So mm. we know we're in London. Uh, we we the, know we're in London. It's and a then shot you, of the eye. <laughs> you see the London eye. You also see Big Ben in the background, I think, right? Sure. Uh, so if those didn't tip you off, <laughs> then the text on the screen that says it's London was they, they really wanted to orient you correctly this season. Yeah. You know, they're like, they it's really awful. want there to be no confusion. What's happening? Okay. It's awful. So uh, she's entering the building with an Insight logo on the side. Uh, then she quick changes into a gold gown, which is like I, 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 I had to rewind that and watch it like five times because it's so incredible. You know, that's one of my favorite. I love those kinds of quick quick changes. I don't know why she needed to do it. <laughs> yeah, she already looked. It just like looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, she already looked completely fine in the previous outfit, right? But then oh, yeah. she like she changes. Great. Yeah, she changes from black and to gold. She, yeah. It's just, it was amazing. Some engineer must have programmed her with a sense of style and the dramatic. (laughs) Yeah. We meet Insight's Liam Dempsey. 
uh, who is the son of Liam Dempsey Sr., presumably, right? Uh, who uh, is one of the, f- the co-founders of Insight, uh, which we learned in some previous material that was released about Westworld. He's, uh, John Gallagher Jr. plays Liam Dempsey. He's being honored as Technologist of the Year. Uh, so they have this party. We meet other characters, Roderick and Penny. Uh, Roderick floats the idea, hey, we're all living in a simulation. I have a feeling we're going to come back to that to some degree during the rest of the show. Um, and yeah, there's this whole – You basically, the, the function of this whole sequence is Dolores has now insinuated herself into Liam Dempsey's life is what's happening, right? right? And she's trying to use this to gain an advantage somehow. Um, anything else you want to say about this before they go to L.A.? Um, that Roderick, uh, played by Rafi Gavron, who, uh, you might remember from A Star is Born, um, reminds me so much of Logan and made me miss Logan. So shout mm. out to Ben Barnes. Who yeah. I um, but yeah, uh, Dolores is going by Laura. Um, we meet, uh, Connell's played by Tommy Flanagan. Tommy Flanagan is, is the addition. Like I'm really excited for Vincent Cassell, who's not in this episode, but I'm excited for him to be on the show. Well, I'm really excited for Tommy Flanagan to be here. Tommy Flanagan. I know best from his work on sons of anarchy as the character of Chibs. Mm. Um, he's also in gladiator. Yeah. I know him um, best as playing Cicero in the movie gladiator. Yeah. Um, so. um, he's a Scottish guy with a very distinctive, like facial scarring and, uh, super handsome, very handsome here with this like dramatic, you know, snowy gray hair. Yeah. Uh, looks good. Look, man. look. looks, looks good. great. And he yeah. plays like, he's like an advice, like a, what, what would you call him? Consigliere yeah. body man. Like he does yeah. it all. Like what doesn't he do? Yeah, Fixer. Yeah. Um, but we meet him here in London as well. Um, there's some cutesy stuff here. Also when, when Dolores, uh, meets, uh, Liam's friend where she says she's from a small town out West. Yeah. Off the beaten path, um, <laughs> you know, and she she brings up this i this idea the section of the brain that um, the nucleus incumbens, right? uh, Say it again. The nucleus incumbens, I believe. Obviously, the nucleus incumbens, yeah. which I knew <laughs> and didn't need Dave to tell me. Incumbens, <laughs> I should say. Accumbens. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the nucleus incumbens, and um, I think that they've discussed this on the show before. Would be my guess. I'm sure Anthony Hopkins uh, talked about it at some <laughs> point. Um, but yeah, that idea of like uh, you don't have a god, you need to create one sort of thing is the theme of this episode. And then yeah. let's go to L.A. Let's go to L.A. Uh, so Liam and Dolores go to L.A. We see Insight controls all of it, even uh, the traffic. And I, uh, I I really love the kind of uh, images of L.A. that we see, like her flying around in the flying cars. Like in the future, we finally do get flying cars seemingly and – they look awesome, and the city looks like really gorgeous. Anyway, just wanted to give a shout out to all that stuff. Yeah, it made me think of the original Blade Runner, right? There's like mm. a bunch of shots in Blade Runner, um, which takes place in futuristic Los Angeles, a much smoggier one, um, where you have a lot of those like slow mo through the city flying shots. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that was intentional, but that's what I got from that. Apparently, by the way, Dol- Dolores is just can control everything at this point. Like, do we understand the limits of her powers? Because <laughs> she's following Liam to some secret meeting he has to go to, uh, after Liam explains what Rehoboam is. And she's able to like pull up a motorbike and set up, you know, her personal assistant is able to like rent a apartment building, you know, all this stuff. Uh, 
do you have any sense of like what she is capable of at this point? She can just do anything. Like I said, I think that she can like really kind of interface with any anything digital. Yeah. Um, as the people that is like, um, she she, and she has near mastery over people, right? Mm. In terms of like being able to predict behavior, like she was able to predict Gerald's behavior at the top of the episode, and she's able to predict Connell's behavior as we find out at the end of this episode. Cause like the whole, like I'm going to lure him out. Like it all seems it's like a trap for Connell's. And so she, she was going to predict how he was going to react to finding out that she was not who she said she was. Mm. And so in a way, in the large scheme of things, I see this season not to skip to the end of my big picture thoughts, but I see this season as a game of chess between Dolores, who has read a bunch of books on people, thinks she understands how to predict human behavior and uh Rehoboam the system how did I do okay um the system uh which also can predict people's behavior in theory right Mm. and it's just sort of like who who is better at predicting you know the piece who is who's better at moving the pieces on the board right yeah um but then ultimately my guess and this is not a spoiler I just I would guess that what would be most satisfying is for Dolores to meet a human who surprises her and doesn't behave the way that humans do, which was sort of like what the William care. Like, I just keep thinking about like, what is she going to learn from Caleb that she didn't learn from William? And from William, she learned like even, even guys you think are nice are shitty in the end. So maybe from Caleb, she's going to learn like even humans who you think are all shitty. Maybe there are still some nice ones. He just wants to pay his mother's hospital bills. <laughs> so we uh, see Dolores follow Liam to this other uh, woman, Palm Clementif, um, who is the woman who plays, like, we don't know her name, but she's played by Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the woman, uh, a couple things. First of all, like, clearly. John Gallagher Jr.'s character is kind of beholden to this woman's boss in some way, right? right. And also, this woman says that there is uh, somebody on the inside who's like probing the system, and Liam's like, "Impossible, impossible." In He's the like, I run a tight ship, tight ship. I'm <laughs> definitely not shacking up with a, a, a robot. It's fine. <laughs> this is fine. Then um, you say we watched Dolores put on underwear. Why? You, this is in the show notes that you wrote. What, yeah. What you, yeah explain this uh, like we cut to her she's in the bathroom <laughs> they're getting ready to like go somewhere whatever and we just like watch her like like pull her underwear on and i'm just sort of like <laughs> why she could have just walked out of the bathroom and instead we like watch her pull her underwear on okay mm-hmm. like presumably she and liam just had sex i don't know it's fine um but uh yeah so she one thing I do really want to quickly mention is when she's surveilling that meeting between uh, Liam and uh, this woman who threat who you know just casually threatens to kill Liam. Uh, <laughs> this guy walks up to Dolores to like hit on her, maybe or whatever. She's just like fuck off, and he like goes away. <laughs> Pretty great. Um, but, um, but this reminds me of another scene I saw recently in, in a movie that I won't reveal. But like the, these two people are having a really intense conversation at a restaurant. And this waiter comes up to him and was like, it's like, hey, have you been here before? Do you know how it works? And he's like, I'm guessing we order food and then you bring it to us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just thought, anyway, okay. Um, um, so 
yeah, we find out like, and here's my sense of what we learn about insight. Yeah. It has a co-founders. There's Liam's dad who, um, you know, maybe cared about, uh, Rehoboam more than his own son, but still maybe created this, uh, algorithm for a reason. He said for a good reason, um, you know, he, he, like that, um, like to make the world better for people. Um, and so that reminds me of Arnold, uh, when, in, when creating Delos, uh, when creating the AI that they were creating. And then that makes Vincent Cassell's character, uh, who seems to be the other co-founder, this, uh, character we, we, uh, get a name for later, Sarak, um, to be more of the Ford, right? These two, mm. these co-founders, but maybe even more intense than Ford because it's see, to <laughs> me, it seems like Sarak may have killed Liam's dad, mm. the co-founder of this company. That's what it seems like to me. That's going to anyway. be an episode six reveal. Probably. <laughs> I mean, he says like, he says something like if, you know, if we, if we talk about him, um, I'll, I'll like, I'll die just like my dad died. Like that's something he says or whatever. But anyway, Dolores, uh, Dolores is trying to get this info from her, from him. Like who, who was your father working with? The system. Rehoboam. Sometimes I wish I could just turn the whole fucking thing off. Kill it. Why can't you? You control it. No, I don't. I never have. After my father died, his partner locked me out of the system. I have read access to the outer layers, but nothing deeper. You have no idea what the system is doing. I go to the office. I spend the money. We'll fucking figure head. She finds out, like, I love this moment when Dolores like, oh, you don't have access to it? <laughs> I've been working you for the past however many months and you don't have access? Motherfucker! All right, who do I who do I gotta work now? Um, and then Carlos <laughs> comes up from behind her and chases her. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And then, and I think the implication is that Connell's is going to murder her, right? Thinking thinking that she's a human woman. Yeah, and this is very noir too. I think he's his plan is to, uh, is I think he says dose and dump her. So like inject her with a bunch of drugs and then dump her and make it look like she died of an overdose. Yeah. And this is where Caleb and Dolores' worlds collide because mm-hmm. Caleb is part of the job uh, of this dose and dump. And then you realize, hey, it would be actually – if you're a terrible criminal, it would be really useful to have a task rabbit for crime. <laughs> uh, you can just order up you know, vehicles and drugs and everything like that. Yeah, so – But I don't know if you know this about Caleb, but he doesn't do personals. So <laughs> – I, I didn't know it, but the fact that he, even after he mentioned it five times during the course yeah, of this episode. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. do personals. That's not what he does. Here's a question, John Robinson. Does he do personals? Uh, no. Oh. Uh, that's I mean, it, it, it would raise his stats, but he doesn't do it. So <laughs> don't ask him. He won't. So, <laughs> so uh, anyway, um, uh, there's kind of this uh, – a, a sequence of events occurs in which basically uh, – like Dolores kills a bunch of dudes that try to kill her. And it's like, oh, hey, remember callback to earlier in the episode when she said she wouldn't hurt anyone unless they tried to hurt her. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? Connells and his gang were the unlucky crew that tried to hurt her, and it went very badly for them. Uh, and so, yeah, so then Dolores kind of gets the upper hand, and uh, I thought the action is actually overall pretty well done. I enjoyed watching it. 
anything else you want to say about this before we get to the end, Joanna? Uh, yeah, Jonathan Nolan, Nolan directed this episode. Yep. Uh, and um, I like, I really like the sequence where um, uh, she's in the car and you can see the backup camera. Yeah, so and it's all it's all in one shot, if I recall correctly. Yeah. yeah. So you can see her taking care of some guys like in front of the car yeah. and also some guys dying in the back of the car and Connell's gets into the car and drives off. Uh, something that might come back might be helpful later. Uh, just really want to mention really quickly. Caleb knows how to drive a car. Seems like not everyone would in a self-driving car uh, mm. place, but he knows how to drive a car. So, you know, that might be important. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Dolores just, you know, it was playing possum. She goes ham. And then we we find out that, like, uh, her target, when with the whole, like, we'll lure him out text, her target wasn't uh, Liam. Liam. Yeah. It was Connell's. Uh, and she has made a duplicate of him, uh, which means we get so much more Tommy Flanagan, which makes me so happy because I love him. <laughs> um, and so here we have another mystery, mystery bot, but it looks like uh Liam Dempsey's right hand man. So At this point go. we don't know who whose mind is in the Connell's body Correct. and we also don't know whose mind is in the Charlotte Hale body although it could be the same the same mind like they the just swapped out or something. Oh, well, I guess so. Um probably not. Probably not. But yeah, we'll see we'll see what happens there. Uh anything else? Uh, so then obviously Caleb encounters a wounded and hopefully so going, just going up recovering. Yeah, uh <laughs> Dolores at damsel she is in distress yeah um yeah, yeah caleb caleb unsubscribes from his francis uh service um <laughs> <laughs> he's like no thank you um <laughs> we find out that uh, the guy in control of the system is Sirak. once again uh this is the character played by vincent Gitzel, who we have not met yet uh vincent Gitzel, great french actor matrix oceans 12 and 13 um and La um La N, man. Uh and uh what is it? What was that? Like the Brotherhood of the Wolf? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh <laughs> I'm a big Cassell fan myself. Yeah. Um anyway, uh Connell says you don't have to go looking for Sirac. Sirac's probably already looking for you to Dolores. So um that was on, ominous. And then she has that speech where she's like, You were free, you had no god, but you tried to build one, being like Re- Rehoboam is like their god like they ceded control humans ceded control to this system they created their own god right and she's like but we're the gods now bitches basically so you know um <laughs> yeah and yeah really excited about uh, the next episode because it's like you set up this whole caleb you set up caleb in a really interesting way i think uh you've rebooted dolores ha 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 uh, literally, figuratively, etc. And uh, there's this big conflict about. I'm just, I'm just, I'm so psyched about like every part of the show at this point. There's like almost no part I'm, I'm, I'm not psyched about. So I, I remained dubious. So um, I remained slightly dubious about Caleb as a character. Mm-hmm. I have to say, um, Aaron Paul is someone who I enjoy. Uh, sometimes, uh, that is to say he's so good on breaking bad, uh, and very good on big love, but I, I don't find Aaron Paul to be, uh, endlessly adaptable to roles. Mm. 
And so um, I'm curious to see like if he can do something in the wheelhouse of Pinkman, but that's not really who Caleb seems to be. And I mean, this, this doubt brought to you by me having watched too much of the path on Hulu and regretting it. So um, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Like, I just, I just feel like a little bit of a wait and see with the Caleb character. That's with, fair with enough. That's fair enough. I mean, I, I, to me, this feels like, uh, the the shot at the end where he's kind of like taking care of her, you know, like he's it's a great shot. It's it's beautiful, and you really sense the pathos there. Like he, hey, this other guy Francis, he couldn't take care of Francis, but like he can take care of this person who's like coming to his life now. You know, like I I don't know. I so far I'm impressed. I think it really works, but I also haven't gone through the path, so um, can't, can't <laughs> like, speak for you. Don't don't do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then we get a post credit sequence. Yes. Right? Maeve in Warworld, uh, which is is an incredible reveal when she opens up the window and you see the Nazi banners. I I, I suspect that when this idea was first conceived, um, they didn't think like Nazi banners would literally still be relevant part of American right. politics. Uh, but in the sense, like, it just happened relatively recently that like somebody unfurled a Nazi banner at a Sanders rally. That's pretty fucked up. Uh, and so uh it's it's an amazing reveal but also as i'm like visually it's just spectacular like the the way they seemingly built all these or not not necessarily built but like you know uh filmed this sequence in uh, with these huge banners and these people all dressed up and everything in the costuming and everything but it's like wow i i i guess in a in a universe where there's a Westworld where people satisfy their basest desires to like murder and have sex and whatever, it it go it stands to reason that there would also be a war world where people would want to relive World War II. But also, that's like a deeply fucked idea. I mean, what what do you think, John Robinson? Uh, I mean, I would go punch Nazis. Uh, if that's what if that's what the package they're offering. The oh, oh, it's, it's not the people. It's not the people who want to be access that I'm worried about. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I do know what you mean. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, we check in with Maeve. We don't see Ed Harris's character William, so we don't know what's going on there. He's not. He's not in the board meeting, but we don't know where he is. Yeah. Um, also, and I, sense, my... I sense that Maeve, like, she seemed to not understand what her role was in the in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, she's like, where am I? What am yeah, I? Doing yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. not like she's like programmed in some role. So I guess like, you know, F- Felix and Sylvester have uh, <laughs> messed it up again. I think, right? <laughs> Those wacky guys. Yeah. Um, and that's another. That's another. Um the meat factory setting is fun for a number of reasons, but, uh, that Bernard is in earlier in the episode. Yeah. But one of the reasons is like, that's, that feels like another season one Westworld thing where we were constantly seeing those texts, like sort of smeared in like, you know, robot goop, yeah. robot blood. Um, uh, Oh yeah. And something we should mention really quickly. I think we mentioned this in our preview episode, but there's a season one scene between Felix and Sylvester. I'm glad you brought those, those wacky guys up. Um, <laughs> Where it's sort of intimated that Felix, uh, you know, Sylvester basically says, Felix, your dreams of being like, uh, you know, in behavior right. uh, are, are stupid. You're on you're on your path, bud. 
uh, you can't ascend beyond your station. <laughs> and so they planted that idea that like humans yeah. uh, are like set in a certain caste system yeah. um, on, on levels way back in the beginning of season one. So I believe that this is something that they wanted to get to eventually um, in their time. Last thing I will say uh, is that I always find names interesting in Westworld. So I find it interesting that, um, well, first of all, Caleb Nickel, I'm going to get to the anagram of Caleb Nickel later. I don't think it's useful to bring it up now. We'll talk about it in another episode. Um, mm. Caleb Nickel, I, I literally don't even know what that is. So I, will, I know Caleb I Nickel look. is, uh, also very close to a name of a character that Alan Dale played on the, on the character on the TV show, the OC. So it is distracting to me that that is this character's name. Um, but Liam, is short for William. So I think it's very weird <laughs> that um, John Gallagher Jr.'s character, Liam, uh, you know, that's in that's in the, the family of William. Is uh, he playing a younger version of Jimmy Simpson, no. perhaps? <laughs> That'd be so funny. Is this all prequel, bro? <laughs> um, anyway, no, I don't think they're related. I just think it's, I think they're trying to draw some kind of thematic connection and I'll keep thinking about what it is. Um, but, there you go. All right. I think that's going to bring us into this week's episode of Decoding Westworld then. Yeah. We did it. We did it. Uh, well, uh, a big shout out to uh, Baby Zhang for editing this episode. And thanks to Simplecast for powering Decoding Westworld this season. Simplecast is the first and last word in podcast management and analytics. Learn more at simplecast.com. You can always email us at decodingwestworld at gmail.com. You can also find more episodes of this show at decodingwestworld.com. Until next week, John Robinson, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Uh, I'm doing a Westworld podcast for Vanity Fair called uh, Still Watching Westworld where with Richard Lawson, where we should be having some interviews with folks who worked on the show. So uh, check in there. You can find me on VanityFair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. All right. And uh, find me on Twitter at Dave Chensky. That's Dave Chen, S-K-Y. And also check out another podcast I do called Culturally Relevant at culturallyrelevantshow.com. It's uh, movie reviews, TV reviews, and also uh, interviews as well with artists and writers. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 